You're tuned in to Let's Talk Good Business, the show that's designed to feature the emerging identity of social entrepreneurs, activists, philanthropists, and other creative change makers. Join our host, Dr. Dion Mahaffey, as she explores the strategies, leaders, and new markets that are driving the evolution of conscious good business. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Dion, and you're tuned in to WDJY for an awesome episode of Let's Talk Good Business. I'm so excited today because we're discussing how a cartoon, of all things, <laughs> how can a cartoon affect a woman's career? And our guest, Rebecca Rockmoney, a serial entrepreneur and just an amazing woman. She'll tell you a little bit about herself in a minute. But before she does and I bring her on, I want to ask some questions. I mean, you know, what children see at a young age affects their dreams and ambitions. And, you know, Rebecca shared some things with me that were pretty startling as it relates to cartoons. When we speak about the lack of women in leadership positions, about violence against women, or about the lack of women in business or technology, we want to ask ourselves, what is the source of that? Where do we form our ideas about who we will be? Well, children's television includes only 25% girls and 75% boys, and the boys have more prominent roles. And I never thought about that until our guests shared that information with me. In adult television, though, we know well that in media and in adult television, the numbers are even lower, fewer than 20%, even in the crowd scenes. I mean, we as women can't be in the crowd. What's worse, almost none of those women are leaders in politics, science, or business. And we've seen some slight changes and some upward mobility, if you will, with recent shows, but just not enough. So when you think about if we want our girls to dream of these professions and men to imagine promoting women to these positions, we need to change the images in our minds about the right type of person for these roles. So Rebecca is here, and I'm just so excited about having you here. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Great. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. We're excited, and I want to ask you, you know, about your company, Gangly Sister, and what's the connection between comic books and women in technology professions? So I'm so glad you asked. Um, well, actually, it's very funny because how the whole thing started was my business partner and I were sitting at lunch, as we usually do, and we were, I've worked in the technology field for many years, and we used to serve customers in the technology field, and we would we would know them very intimately, and we'd say, I can't believe those guys raised another $5 million for that idea. They're so disorganized, or whatever it was we thought about them, and we were very frustrated with the boys' club, um, and we live in an area where a lot of women do get science education or engineering education, but very few seem to rise to the top, and we talk to women. They're like, well, you know, we've got a family, and I thought, well, Everybody goes through obstacles, but people tend to gravitate towards whatever their dreams were or whatever their self-image was. So whatever you see as a kid, that's gonna, you're going to gravitate towards that. And I read a lot of superhero hom comic books as a kid. You know, I wanted to be Superman or Aquaman, and I knew I could be anything, but I was a bit of a tomboy. And most girls aren't a tomboy. Tomboy has negative connotations. So if you weren't a girl reading boy comics, what were your ambitions? You know, the comics for girls are, I mean, again, maybe there's nothing wrong with Archie, but I can't believe that Archie and Betty are still here with us after maybe <laughs> 50 years or 60 years. Like, it's the same yeah. comic, and, and Veronica and Betty are still fighting over Archie after wow. 50 years. Yeah, and that's not what I want my daughter to be putting into her head, that my life is going to be about fighting my best friend for her boyfriend 
that's not my ambition in life. And so I think that when we're young, we form these ambitions and what is it like to be a man? What is it like to be a woman? And what is society going to accept us for when we're older? And if you look on TV, for example, and you see women who are in science, as you mentioned, and women who are very smart, many of them, and I won't mention the, or the um, TV shows because they're all shows that I love with women that I love in them, but many of them are not very socially acceptable. And then you might think, well, maybe smart people are socially awkward. Yeah. And we, 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 we put these into the children's head at a very young age, and then they don't really want to be that. Maybe they love science, but like, you know what, but those people are, are socially Weird. awkward, and I don't want to <laughs> hang out with Yeah, they're yeah. kind of nerdy, and I don't want to hang out with those people. And, and children care about that at a certain age, especially the age when they might be learning science, right? In high school and junior high school, when you're really going to learn those subjects, you don't want to hang out with the socially awkward people. And so those ideas are formed very young. Our self-image is formed very young. And we ask children very young, what do you want to be when you grow up? And if they've never heard of an engineer except for that guy who drives the train, mm-hmm. what can you expect them to say? They're not going to say, I want to be an engineer unless they want to drive a train. Um, but we want more women engineers. Yeah, I they agree. They've just never yeah. heard of it. And they never see them. And, and, you know, to your point about the media and those images, I I know we were talking, you know, um, recently, and you were saying that one of the factors in Obama's ascension as president is what we saw on television in previous years, for example, um, 24 and and West Wing. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. So the Gina Davis Institute for Gender Equality in the Media says, if she can see it, she can be it. That's their motto. And Mm -hmm. Certainly, if you look at, um, you know, in, in the West Wing, they had a Hispanic um, rising to become the president. Um, and in West Wing, there was a black man. He was the governor of, I believe, of Illinois, and then he rose to become the president. And mm-hmm. he was an incredibly, uh, uh, incredibly competent person with tremendous integrity in the show and very likable. And all of a sudden, you know, our images of black men in the media tend to be not people of great integrity, let's just say. That's not how black mm-hmm. men are portrayed in the media. You know, maybe they're a cop or something like that, which does have some integrity, but they're not portrayed as somebody, you know, with high education and going up there and very sophisticated, um, educated people. Um, it's actually interesting now that I'm thinking about it, Obama also was an activist in Illinois and Chicago. So that's Correct, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So now I, I didn't make that connection, but I believe that it, 24 was also based in Illinois. So... All of a sudden, you looked at this big black guy, and unlike Obama, this was not a half-white man. I'm sorry, it's a little politically incorrect yeah, to say. Yeah, I mean, but that's that the a, truth, yeah. yeah. He's mm-hmm. a big black guy, and he mm-hmm. was not threatening, and it's like, oh, well, this is an intelligent, competent person. This is somebody who I could imagine as being my president. And once you can imagine that, and you can see how that would look like, instead of the threatening things that you might have had in your mind, even if you come from a racist background, all of a sudden you have this image in your mind of, well, actually, I that's, not, that's okay. That is a trustworthy it, yeah. person. And those make a huge difference. And I think that once you imagine it, um, then it could happen. You know? And if you imagine it as being this horrible, tragic thing, like you know, if, they had, if they had had that character in 24 be a corrupt politician, I think it would have been a little bit harder to have Obama elected. And I, I agree. I think, yeah. Yeah, and I think most of us in America, um, we really didn't expect that dream to happen so fast. I mean, Martin Luther King spoke it. I don't think so many of us thought it was going to happen in, you know, 30, 40 years. I mean, that's really fast. 
Yeah, and so the media is very important. We we agree. And you know, to your point earlier about you know women and technology and it being socially awkward. And you know, today's millennials have the benefit of just the, the startup world. And you know, me having worked in, in technology for several years, a couple of decades now. Wow. You know, um, I I remember as you were saying, you know. There were no leadership roles for us, although there are more now, and we still have a ways to go. We couldn't even get funded if you were a woman-owned business, if you headed a business, and all that startup money during the time when, you know, it just had to be three guys in a PowerPoint, even just the saying of three guys in a PowerPoint was damaging to women if you were a three-girl team with a PowerPoint. And I can't really recall, you know, women having the type of success stories that, you know, Yahoo had back then and other companies that were able to launch and go public and are still around today, there weren't women-owned companies that had those types of successes. So, you know, your company, which is an amazing company, and I know we'll continue talking about it. Before we go to break, can you tell our listeners how your company got started? So, yeah, like I said, it got started in this restaurant, and we were just talking about women and um, and why those guys get funded, and we don't. And we realized it was a man's world, and we wanted to create something that would create great model models. And we also didn't want to have, like, bad guys all the time. Um, you know, like, we didn't like that we're showing children so much violence. As soon as there's a bad guy, there's really only one solution to the problem, right? You know, yeah. And that's we have to get rid of him. And we wanted images for our children that would show people solving real problems. And we also wanted to have a very clear message about why would you want to be in technology? Because a lot of these STEM programs are trying to tell girls you can do it. And that's great. But you need to show people why. Why do yeah. you want to do it? The fact that I can do something doesn't give me enough reason to do it. And we wanted to show technology as how we think of technology, which is if you want to solve hunger, well, that was done through technology. You know, mm-hmm. these, there's a lot of ways people watered crops that now has changed. People can grow um, food in the desert now. People can grow a lot more food per acre. And that's why you might want to be a technologist because you could feed the hungry. Or environmental yeah. problems, you know, all of the environmental problems, I think that most people know these are going to get resolved through technology. So we want to teach children not just, well, if you're a geek or if you like technology, this is where you want to go. We want to teach children, like, there's many, many things that technology can solve. So the problems that we have in our comic book are inspirational. The technologies, most of them are real that we talk about, but mostly it's to show children the different areas where technology has influenced the world and where they might be able to influence it and some of them are very everyday problems. If you see our online video, the children just broke something in the house, and the the main character uh, – actually, there aren't even main characters. I think that this is kind of amazing. Like with girls, I think we all know that. We go around with our best friend. It's not like there's the main character between the two best friends. So Purple and Nine, our characters, are actually very equal. We also wanted to show that. There doesn't have to be the boss. But Purple breaks something in the house. It's a very everyday problem. And she's just mortified that her dad is going to find out. And so they try to invent a way to fix it. And so we try to show children, yeah, how to be inspired, why to be excited, and not just, oh, you can do it, but really you have many reasons you would want to get excited about this. That's amazing. When we come back, um, because we have to take a break, and, you know, hey, our 
to our audience, if you have a friend that want, needs to hear this message, a woman that wants to ascend in business, or a mother that has a daughter interested in science and technology, and the mom has no idea about what direction to send her in from a career perspective, tell them to tune in. We'd love to have you call in with your questions as well, and we can get Rebecca to answer them. If not on today's show, at another time, we can air her answers to your questions. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Let's talk good business. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with more information on how to be and how to do good business. At Boss Life Coaching, we partner with you to clarify, enhance, or reinvent your business strategy. Imagine your business with inspired leaders who foster teamwork, use of tools of innovation like social media and marketing automation. We offer executive coaching, tech startup consultation, small business coaching, and for larger organizations, we provide team building solutions, coaching, and soft skills training for you and your employees. Are you dreaming of a well-run business with consistent leads, sales, and profits? Well, let us help you make it a reality. Contact Boss Life Coaching, a program of the Life Purpose Coaching Institute. You can reach us online at bosslifecoaching.com or dial 877-427-2724, extension 801. That's bosslifecoaching.com. Hey, welcome back. This is Dr. Dion with Let's Talk Good Business. If you're just tuning in, today's guest, Rebecca Rachmani of, the gang, of GanglySister.com, has been sharing with us the ways that cartoons, media, comic books, how they affect a woman's career. We've been discussing STEM, science, technology, business, and just how media images affect the choices that um, young girls make at an early age about the, being the right type of person for a role later in life. So we want to just jump back into our discussion um, um, Rebecca, you, we were talking about um, during the break, you know, how you deal with the double bottom line, and that's the desire to do social good and the desire to make money as a profitable business. And it was such an interesting, you know, um, you know your, your perspective is interesting because, as you know, the mantra for our show is do good and be good wherever you are, and that gives you permission to do social good and to make money. So can you share with our audience what, we, what you were sharing with me about that topic? Yeah, for, for sure. You know, I, I've always been a business person. I don't really understand the nonprofit world. So if somebody, you know, if I wanted to tell the truth, it's like, well, I do this as a for-profit business because I actually don't understand nonprofit. But the fundamental of business, and Peter Drucker said this, is that you make money by adding value. The purpose of a company isn't to make money. Making money for a company, it's like breathing. If somebody said to me, well, my purpose in life is breathing, you would think they were crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not your purpose in life. I mean, it's essential if you're a business to make money, but it's not the purpose, just like breathing isn't your purpose in life. And I fundamentally believe that the amount of money you make has to do with the amount of value you make. And if we're talking about this industry, I mean, Disney creates value. It creates a magical experience. And that's why people pay a lot of money for it, because we want a magical experience. And I strongly believe that if you are making money, it's because you're adding value in the world. So there shouldn't be any conflict between social business or a double bottom line. I also believe that fundamentally, um, you know, people recognize value and they recognize values. 
so that if you're out there and you really do have an intention to do good and you really are out there listening to people and desiring to help your, your target customers, you should make money. And I also believe that, um, that as a social enterprise, I really want a direct connection between the people who get my product and the people who pay for my product. When you're a charity, so there's somebody who's paying for you to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. So your measure might be how happy the person is who contributes money to you and not whether you're really helping somebody or whether the person is happy to get it. Or you might be the best organization at whatever it is, helping the hungry or educating children, and you might not be. You might just be the best at PR. So I like, the, I like working in business because I know that my profits are going to be correlated with the value I create for people. And doing the right thing is, I mean, everybody should be doing that anyway, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, and to your point, you know, I think that the conflict that a lot of people struggle with is leaving because the term social enterprise is being used widely. You know, in the past, when you think of char- ch- social good, we've thought of charitable organizations or nonprofits. And as you said, they're using someone else's money to help others or to, to eradicate a social problem. But, you know, today social enterprise is just an organization that's applying commercial strategies to maximize, maximize improvements in human and environment, environmental well-being. And so that could be, you know, a benefit corporation, um, you know, a charitable organization. But even charitable organizations are running like businesses more because they understand that there's other ways that they should, you know, create earned revenue instead of relying on grants because we know that that pool is is very shallow um, these days when it comes to other people using, giving you their money to um, solve problems that they probably want to take internally and do themselves through their corporate social responsibility efforts. Now, I have another question, you know, because I want to definitely get back um, to, to the entertainment side of our discussion, you know, regarding what you do with Gangly Sisters and your series. So, you know, tell our audience why people want smart entertainment, you know, um, don't, you know, instead of just wanting to sit back and to just leisurely enjoy television, you know, why do they want it to be something that's substantive and smart? Well, I think there's no conflict between sitting back and enjoying and having something substantive and smart. If you look at any mystery movie or anything like that, the mystery is what's exciting. I'm trying to figure out who did it. People do want to think to, to some degree. I mean, you don't want to be completely intellectually challenged every time you watch something on TV. You want to enjoy it. But I think the other thing is that you want it to be interesting. I mean, the same plot over and over again is it wears thin. I remember as a child not understanding why anyone wanted to watch Popeye. Because every single episode had the exact same beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> and there was never a surprise, right? It was like, yeah. you know, the olive oil was in trouble and Popeye, you know, beat Brutus. I'm like, how many times can I watch the exact same thing? <laughs> yeah. So people want something fun and interesting and entertaining, um, both for themselves and for their children. Of course, when it comes to our children, we know that our kids are influenced by what they see on TV. And I think a lot of the parents, quite frankly, are appalled at what they see on TV for their children. Um, 
the real challenge, it is a real challenge to make it smart and entertaining. How do I make it exciting that there's a child in Purple and Nine's class and they keep losing their homework, right? How do I make that into an entertaining, exciting uh, discussion about technology, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you'll have to get the comic book if you want to find out how I did that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, but the truth is all of our problems are exciting. A sitcom is about just people's regular problems. And people seem to watch a lot of sitcoms. So I don't think that there's a conflict between intelligent TV and being totally entertained and just sitting on your couch. Um, and I do think children like to be challenged as, as well as use their own imaginations. I agree. Now, can parents really control what games, videos, and other media their kids are consuming? I have two teenagers. That's a loaded question. <laughs> right. I have two teenagers, and we'll talk about that later. <laughs> With, over a bottle of wine or something. <laughs> I, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think control is a strong word. We, we don't control a whole lot of things in our lives, but we do influence a lot of things. We're talking about girls from ages 8 to 10. I don't think that any parent will be able to make their kid read the second issue of Purple and Nine. I think they'll be able to get their kid to read the first issue and say, listen, can you just check this out and see if you like it? Yeah. So I think we can certainly influence our children and introduce them. I can tell you my kids introduced me to a lot of stuff. When I started this business, you know, I was in my 40s, and I hadn't watched children's entertainment for a long time. So I said to my kids, what are you watching? And they were able to influence me. Uh, so we influence one another, right? We don't control one another. I also don't think it's right to completely control things um, with your children, you want to control certain things, you want to have rules, but children need to, over time, learn what they like. So mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think a lot of it just has to do with the agreement in your house. I was able to control my son uh, or control, influence, excuse me, I wouldn't control him, <laughs> but I was able to influence my children. I think until about age 13, I did not allow any violent video games in the, in the house and he went to other children's houses and he wouldn't play those games either. He came home and he said, listen, my friend was playing this game and I know I wouldn't be allowed to. I think you influence them for as long as you want. At some mm -hmm. point, you know, they're going to do their own thing. Um, and the longer you can do it, good for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I've given up on that a, a long time ago. <laughs> Minor, <laughs> my, my daughter will be 18, um, you know, this year and um, or turned 18 this year. and My son um, will turn 16 this year. So I, I definitely try to focus on influencing them as opposed to trying to just mandate things because um, they're going to you know, rebel against that. Now, before we go to break, gosh, we've had such a great conversation. It's time to pay the bills again. So we've got to take a break, but tell our audience who you're targeting, parents or children, and when we come back, I want you to continue sharing more information as well as when we come back, tell us how to get in touch with you. So who are you targeting with this series, parents or children? Um, well, anybody who loves the comic book can buy it. It's always an interesting question for comic books, isn't it? <laughs> because comic books are supposedly for kids, but uh, if you look at the topics covered, most of us would not want our young children looking at those topics or uh, items of clothing either. So <laughs> <laughs> comic books really do have a mixed audience. 
the comic book itself really is targeted at girls. It's targeted girls up to, I would say, probably 8 to 12. This is really where we want to influence girls. This is the age where they're beyond the princess stage. That's an important stage to establish yourself as a female. Um, and they're not yet at the stage where boys are of big interest to them, where their gender really matters to them. So those ages 8 to 12 is where we're targeting. Initially, it's going to be much easier for us to target the parents to get them to show their kid that first book. Um, I think parents like our cartoon as well. It's harder to know with the comic book. When we put out our pilot video, uh, which you can see on our website, a lot of adults said, wow, that, that was moving too fast. I had a lot of trouble following it. And no kids said that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So we hope that parents will influence their children to at least take a look at it. Um, ultimately, our target is to get girls excited about it, to get them to talk about it to one another, to get it to be a cool thing. Whenever you have a character who's a cool thing, then you're in a position where kids are talking about it and telling each other to do it. And I think that that has a much higher influence. And to me, for my characters to become cool, would really mean a lot of children are going to take a lot more interest in those STEM fields, and that's what we're aiming for. Perfect. So we've got to take that break, but when we come back, since you talked about you want girls to get it, I want to, you know, just ask a question, um, you know, why girls and, and why not boys? But we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. So don't touch that dial. This is Dr. Dion with Let's Talk Good Business, and we'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with more information on how to be and how to do good business. At Boss Life Coaching, we partner with you to clarify, enhance, or reinvent your business strategy. Imagine your business with inspired leaders who foster teamwork, use of tools of innovation like social media and marketing automation. We offer executive coaching, tech startup consultation, small business coaching, and for larger organizations, we provide team building solutions, coaching, and soft skills training for you and your employees. Are you dreaming of a well-run business with consistent leads, sales, and profits? Well, let us help you make it a reality. Contact Boss Life Coaching, a program of the Life Purpose Coaching Institute. You can reach us online at bosslifecoaching.com or dial 877-427-2724, extension 801. That's bosslifecoaching.com. Hey, Atlanta, our phone lines are open. Call us now at 404-850-8249. We're taking your questions about entrepreneurship, nonprofits, and social good. You'll receive a response on today's show or during a future broadcast. Dial 404-850-8249. That's 404-850-8biz.
Welcome back. This is Dr. Dion with Let's Talk Good Business here on WDJY 99.1 FM. Our guest, Rebecca Rachmani, the founder and CEO of Gangly Sister. Um, we've been discussing, you know, the influence that media has on girls and the decisions that we make later in life, as well as the, you know, mindset and the openness of men and their willingness to, to help us to advance in the workplace. So when you, we were discussing your target audience, um, Rebecca, you said girls, and so I guess just in case someone in our audience has the question, why girls? Why not girls and boys? Well, obviously, if your boys love Purple and Nine and girls and boys love Purple and Nine, that's twice as good for me. So I would love for boys to watch it too and to see the cartoons. Fundamentally, there is no reason why boys and girls wouldn't both like this comic book. It's about the two main characters are girls, but as far as I know, boys do like to look at pictures of girls, so that could be okay. Um, they're just cartoon characters, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing more than that. So you know, and they're not dressed as well as the other comic book characters, so maybe boys won't be as interested uh, <laughs> as long as we're talking about <laughs> gender and media. But. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason they wouldn't. It's about kids having problems and solving them with technology. It's really designed so that uh, fundamentally any child would like it. We're targeting girls just because there are so few girls. If you go to a comic book store, and I do this uh, sometimes, and you ask what there is for girls, you're going to be able to walk out of the comic book store maybe with about $50 if you buy every single thing that they have for girls in this age group. There just isn't anything there. Yeah, um, I agree. So, and I think, as you said, it, it influences girls on the one hand to have these, these superheroes who are in, into technology and into science, and it also influences boys, where if, if girls and boys think that this is a field that girls could go into, then it'll be that kind of field. So that's... Uh, that's, it's not that we're restricting it to girls. I think that what has happened, however, is that industry, both the media industry and other industries, have trained us to think that children should have separate things for boys and girls. We've seen that with the attempts at Lego, and there's been mm-hmm. a lot of discussion about how Lego used to just be gender neutral and now it's for boys. They've actually taught us this. Uh, I remember I have a girl and a boy, and they're not far in age, and... I would try to buy general neutral sweatpants for my four-year-old, and you can't. They make sure that even if it's a gender neutral color, that they have flared bottoms so you won't be able to pass it on to your boy later. Yeah, yeah, and this wow. Is a, yeah, this is a decision they, that's made to sell more stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. So I work in, I, yeah, so we've been trained to think that. I don't think that I am going to change that yet. But that's the next step, right? The right now, the step is to get media to look more equal for boys and girls. And the step after that would really be to undo the damage the media has done in making us think that there's this huge difference between what a boy would like to play with and what a girl would like to play with. So, so this is what you're doing about misogyny in the media and online, um, you know, as well as, you know, from a consumer um, perspective, you just mentioned retail. Um, so let's talk more about, you know, with your project, you know, what you're doing about misogyny in the media, and also share with our audience what kids will learn by reading the comic books and seeing the videos. I know we've touched on it, but I just wanted to sort of ask it directly, um, and then I want you to share how we can get in touch with you. Great. So, wow, that was three questions, but I got it. <laughs> so about misogyny in the media, we 
try very hard to focus on the positive. We, as human beings, we have this tendency to talk about what we don't like. We shouldn't do this and we shouldn't portray women this way. And every time we say, hey, look at how bad this is, we've just shown a picture of it again. Mm-hmm. Like people will be sharing these pictures of something they hate. They're like, you know, protest against this. I'm like, how about you protest against it by not putting it on your Facebook wall? Just right. never show it. And so we don't, uh, we're not against misogyny. I mean, obviously we don't, or we are, but we don't say it that way. We just say we are for good images. We want to give children what to go for. And that really connects to your next question. So we want to give you a target to go for rather than something to run away with from. And that's what kids will learn from our comic book. They're not going to necessarily learn how to make a 3D printer or make something on a 3D printer, for example, but they'll learn that there is such a thing and mm-hmm. they can Google it. Uh, initially, we'll have digital comics, of course, because most kids today, they have a tablet or, or a phone or something, at least access to those things. And unless you're a comic book collector, you, you're just as happy to have it on your phone as, as a piece of paper. And then there'll be links. So if they do want to find out about the technology that's being shown mm-hmm. in the picture, they can do it. But they won't necessarily learn about the technology or how to make anything or concepts in physics. What they're going to learn is all the cool places you could use technology. So you could say, for example, that Iron Man, in fact, he is, is a technological breakthrough, right? That's a superhero mm-hmm. who's used technology in a certain way. So it's like, hey, cool, I could use technology to make a suit and fly, or I could use technology to blow up things. Um, that might appeal to a lot of boys. But if you can say, hey, I can use technology to grow things. I can use technology to help that kid who keeps falling asleep in class. I can use technology to whatever, get my brother's to be distracted and not bother me, then you might get more excited (laughs) about technology, right? So it's designed to inspire much more than teach. Yes, they'll learn something, and and one of my um, focus group people who their kids saw the video, again, you can see it online, um, which will connect to your next question, she saw a four-minute video and she said she showed it to her kid, but her kid didn't come back for 15 minutes. And when her kid came back, she'd researched 3D printers, and she was excited, and she's like, hey, mom, maybe I could fix things in the house, and maybe, mom, I could do this. So it, it won't teach you because kids know how to find out. They just type it into Google. But mm-hmm. um, it will teach you, here are some areas you might want to learn about or might want to study when you get older. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. Yeah. So as far as how to contact us, you would go to Gangly Sister, which is G-A-N-G-L-Y-S-I-S-T-E-R.com. Uh, we'll be launching a purpleand9.com website soon. If you go to Gangly Sister and you sign up for n- our newsletter, we'd love that. Our newsletter comes out every two weeks, so we don't send you a whole lot of stuff, just every two weeks. Um, and then you'll be able to keep up to date. We'll be putting out the comic books this summer, so you'll get all the updates there. You can also follow us on Facebook, um, which is Facebook. Uh, we're under Gangly Sister. There isn't anything else called Gangly Sister. And mm-hmm. our Twitter feed is also gangly sister so pretty easy um and my name is rebecca rahmani and the last name is r-a-c-h-m-a-n-y and my twitter handle is rebecca rahmani so not very hard to find us (laughs) that's easy enough you know it's been great having you on the show today and you know like i mentioned to you because i know that you started this business and it's in uh you know 
a job that you do that you love, you've married your purpose with all of your aptitude and, and intelligence, and share with our audience because the majority of those that listen to us are entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. Tell us what motivates you. I think one of the great motivating factors is anger. You don't hear me being angry because I know how to, you know, move that to where it belongs. But basically, when I get angry, I know there's a problem I can go out there and solve. I know there's something that will be inspiring to other people. And I think a lot of people are quite frustrated, angry, appalled, and all those negative emotions about what children see in the media and, in fact, what adults see in the media. So actually, if I think about what inspires me, it's, all these negative emotions, which mm. are a sign to me that there's a problem to solve. Wow, that's good. Thank you so much for being on our show, and it was great talking to you. I'm definitely going to order um, my series of comic books and try to influence my son, um, Nasir, to read um, at least the first one, and hopefully he will continue to read so that as he continues to evolve professionally and becomes a young man, um, if he is in a position to help elevate a woman, that he has the right attitude and mindset about doing so, and it won't be so foreign to him. Him. So thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. I might give it to my 18-year-old as well. She's going off to college, so so you know how that goes when they get to be a certain age. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll definitely have our little discussion about that. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining. And to our audience, thank you for just sticking with us. This is a daily show now, and we try to bring as much interesting information as we can. You can go to our website at talkgoodbusiness.com, and, of course, you can find us online at um, not, on, not only online but on the social channels where Talk Good Biz on Twitter and you can definitely connect with us there to keep up with who our guests are um, as well as go to the WDJYFM.com website. We've always enjoyed just having great guests like Rebecca, so if anyone wants to refer guests that we should interview on the show, you can do so from our website. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Dr. Dion Mahaffey, and you've tuned in to Let's Talk Good Business, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Tune in again for more information about the emerging social enterprise. You can also visit us on the web at talkgoodbusiness.com.